Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. A new low for Joe. President Joe Biden has doubled down on his pro-abortion beliefs as people across the nation await the final verdict in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case. We're joined by EWTN CEO and Chairman Michael Warsaw to discuss his recent analysis of our self-proclaimed Catholic president's recent comments. Funding abortions. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has announced they are funneling millions of dollars to the expansion of the Title X program, which currently benefits abortion providers. Roger Severino, Vice President of Domestic Policy at the Heritage Foundation, joins us to discuss this extreme pro-abortion move. Meeting the needs of mothers. We sit down with members of a Catholic apostolate on a college campus in North Carolina who share their pro-life mission and work with us. One of the mothers who benefits from the program tells us how grateful she is that she was given the option to choose life for her baby. President Joe Biden, despite frequently describing himself as a devout Catholic, continues to disappoint the faithful with his unapologetic support for abortion and his lack of respect for the God-given right to life. It's hard to believe that the president once claimed support for the Hyde Amendment, as he now claims that he no longer believes life begins at conception and works in lockstep with the abortion lobby to advance their political agenda. What's perhaps worse, the president has repeatedly abandoned U.S. Catholics on this front, most recently failing to condemn abortion activists who directly targeted the faithful during mass. And joining us now is EWTN CEO, chairman of the board, and the publisher of the National Catholic Register, Michael Warsaw. Michael, thanks for joining me today. Your recent publisher's note at the National Catholic Register was very fittingly titled, A New Low for Joe. Talk to me about, you know, what you think about Joe Biden's recent reactions to the fact that Roe versus Wade could be overturned any day now. Sure. Well, you know, I think uh, as the president uh, throughout the campaign and, and throughout his administration you know, has really fallen back on this idea that he's a devout Catholic and very committed to his faith, yet time and time again we find that his, his actions and his words uh, are at odds with that. And this is just another, another example of that, perhaps even, a, as I said, titled it, a new low for the president in that regard. Um, you know, certainly with the egregious leak of the, of the first draft of the opinion, um, the president chose not to really address the fact that uh, the opinion was leaked even. He really doubled down on the issue of abortion and, and that there should be no decision made by the court uh, that would contradict uh, that, a right to abortion. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is, of course, completely at odds with the teaching of the church and what we believe as Catholics. But far worse than that, he then, in subsequent remarks, attempted to try to explain that all religions somehow have uh, a basis that allows uh, for abortion. He then even sort of uh, twisted, attempted to twist St. Thomas Aquinas uh, into justifying some sort of uh, permission for abortion, which is, of course, complete and, and totally false. Uh, Aquinas was very clear that life is a gift of God and, and that, uh, you know, it, it would be uh, sinful to reject that gift. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so for the president to 
even try to use uh, church teaching and, and the teaching of Aquinas, for example, to justify a right to abortion is, is really, in my view, a, a new low. Right. And you not only pointed out that President Biden's words are in gross violation of church teaching, they also go against America's democratic ideals. Talk to me about how a right to life is deeply rooted in the history of our nation. Right. Well, absolutely. And, and so uh, part of what the president uh, was bemoaning was the idea that the Supreme Court, um, you know, would, would turn the issue back to the states. Um, and, and he went so far as even to say, effectively, that uh, he was not in support of the idea of people in the states having the, the right to decide that based on their whims. Uh, how entirely undemocratic is that um, for a president and an administration that's been uh, talking very much about voting rights and, and the need for all votes to be counted and for all people to be heard, which, of course, is absolutely true? Mm -hmm. Uh, suddenly, on this issue, for political expediency, uh, the president doesn't seem to be advocating that the people of the states have the judgment and the wisdom to be able to decide this question for themselves. Very it's, it's very, very confusing. Yes. And as Catholics, we're suffering constant attacks right now from pro-abortion activists. They've stormed churches. They're saying that they're going to burn our Lord in the Eucharist and continue just these outright attacks on our faith. You know, set aside the fact that Joe Biden claims to be Catholic and he's professing these pro-abortion things, he's not speaking up for us. He's, he seems to have abandoned us. No, certainly, uh, while the president did, after some of the uh, some of the violence and some of the events that happened uh, shortly thereafter, right? Um, he did he did speak out, and the administration did say something, but it was pretty tepid, um, and it was really not uh, in any way directed at a defense of Catholics. And as we know, the, the Ruth Sentos group, which was largely behind some of the protests and, and organizing um, this response, um, clearly and specifically targeted Catholics and used language about the Catholic justices on the Supreme Court. And uh, this, was, this was an egregious anti-Catholic act. Mm -hmm. and, and for a president whose spokesperson repeatedly has told even our own Owen Jensen at the White House that the president is a devout Catholic and, and so forth, for him to not even respond to that, for not him to not even uh, make an attempt to uh, push back on that is, is really uh, insulting, I think, in a way, to mm -hmm. Catholics. Yes. And as people of faith, I also just wanted to get your thoughts on what we should be doing about attacks on abortion from inside the church. You know, these groups such as Catholics for Choice and others, how should we, people of faith, be responding to those comments and that messaging? Well, first of all, I would say Catholics for Choice is not a Catholic organization and shouldn't be thought of as such, even mm. if they claim the name. Sure. Um, but I think what we should always do begins with prayer, first of all. I think we, we need to pray for all of these groups that, that are not in line with church teaching. Uh, we need to pray for the president. Uh, every day, and, and uh, especially on this issue. Um, but I think we need to make sure that within our own circles of influence, within our own ability to talk about these issues as they come up, uh, that we're very clear that the church has a very clear and unbending position on this, mm. that the, the life issue, in particular abortion, is the preeminent issue. And there is no compromise on right. that issue. Yes. And those who would say that there's a justification somehow or 
attempt, as the president did, to invent some sort of justification in Catholic teaching are simply wrong. Mm. And we need, as good Catholics and as people who support life, we need to make sure that people understand that and call that out when we hear that. Mm. Amen. And I just finally want to get your thoughts on this moment. You know, what about... Um, this moment sticks out to you, that we could be seeing the end of Roe versus Wade after 50 long years of, uh, you know, the right to life just not being honored. Sure. Well, I think it's, it's, it's an amazing moment, but it's just the beginning of a new phase for the pro-life movement. And I think we have to be careful that there's not um, sort of too much celebrating of what seems to be about to happen, mm -hmm. um, and that we keep focused on what happens post-Dobbs. Because as we've seen, the, the likely outcome is this refers uh, the matter back to the states. It doesn't end abortion in America. It simply refers this back to the states. And the battle over uh, life just shifts and, and it enters a new phase. So I think we have to be very, very careful about that. And I think, secondly, we have to, uh, within the pro-life community, within the Catholic community, I think we have to redouble our efforts to provide the resources mm -hmm. that are necessary to support women in crisis pregnancy and to reach out and to show them that we are there for them and that the pro-life community supports them throughout mm -hmm. the pregnancy. Yes. Well, we are continuing to pray and work for everything that's going on right now on this issue. Michael Warsaw, our CEO at EWTN, thank you. Thank you, Prudence. As we continue to wait for the final decision from the Supreme Court in the Dobbs case, thousands of pro-abortion protesters have expressed their rage at the possibility of overturning Roe v. Wade, even announcing that for them, this is a, quote, summer of rage. And we will not stop until the politicians who claim to fight for women actually fight for us. Hundreds of pro-abortion marches and rallies took place last weekend in support of the killing of unborn babies. Many around the country say they are angered by the leaked Supreme Court draft opinion in the Dobbs case, which suggests the Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade and send the issue of abortion back to the states. We're hearing reports that there are social media threats of burning down the Supreme Court, murdering justices and their clerks, and more. To continue this discussion, we're joined by Marilyn Musgrave, Vice President of Government Affairs at the Susan B. Anthony List. Marilyn, thanks for being with me today. You're I, very welcome. Yes. I want to just first get your thoughts on this recent frenzy of activity that we've seen. What do you think about all this violence that we're seeing in cities across our nation? Well, it's alarming and it's heartbreaking. And, and you see these people that are really rallying, demanding that women have the ability to take their li the lives of their unborn children. Uh, it's, and especially the demonstrations, the activity at the homes of the justices, uh, trying to intimidate Supreme Court justices as they're making a decision. Incredible. Very, yeah, very disappointing. And as a former lawmaker yourself, what's your reaction to how members of Congress on both sides of this issue are reacting to this moment? Well, I have to tell you, Prudence, uh, I am very glad that the other side is really exposing themselves for what they are. Abortion on demand, up to the moment of birth, paid for by your tax dollars. The American people are not of this mind. In, we know people 
oppose late-term abortion. We know they oppose taxpayer funding of abortion in large numbers, but the other side, no restrictions on abortion whatsoever. Very disappointing. And, you know, mainstream media reporters have been pushing pro-life legislators about exceptions to these laws that they're intending to pass, these total bans on abortion. And Governor Pete Ricketts of Nebraska, he recently stated a very simple truth in response to that question of whether or not rape or incest should be included in these bans. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. So if Roe versus Wade, which was a horrible constitutional decision, uh, gets overturned by the Supreme Court, which we're hopeful of. Here in Nebraska, we're going to take further steps to protect those preborn babies. Including in the case of rape or incest? They're still babies, too. Yes, they're still babies. Marilyn, what are your thoughts? Well, of course, the other side wants to talk about these exceptions. That's 2% of abortions. They don't want to talk about 98% of abortions that are done for other reasons. They don't want to talk about late term. They don't want to talk about sex selection. They don't want to talk about disability, discrimination, abortion. So they want to talk about these. And I'm so proud of lawmakers that stand strong on behalf of all babies. It's so important. And I understand the SBA list, speaking of lawmakers and people working on the ground to help women, SBA list is partnering in a new pro-life initiative with former Senator Kelly Leffler to help moms and babies in Georgia. Would you tell me about that? Well, the compassionate side of the pro-life movement is ignored by the other side, but there is compassion, understanding, and unconditional love for these women and girls and their families that are in crisis. So we have partnered with her. Uh, she's uh, supporting significant contribution to over 20 pro-life groups across the state of Georgia. That includes the crisis pregnancy centers, uh, the pro-adoption, foster care folks, and faith-based organizations. And this is the beautiful side of the pro-life movement. We're happy to be there with her. You know, when you look at statistics, as of 2019, 50,000 women and girls in Georgia had received free health care from these groups, whether it be free ultrasound, free pregnancy testing, and much more services, even services for men. Mm, what an impressive number. And we have just about a minute left, Marilyn. I just want to hear from you. What is SBA List's main message to Americans and to voters right now leading into what's going to be a very consequential midterm cycle? Well, don't let the other side get by with saying that abortion is health care. It's not health care. It's not family planning. And be aware that over 2,700 facilities, crisis pregnancy centers across the country provide unconditional love and care, free care for these women and girls. Contrast that to the other side, mm. the pro-abortion profit-driven industry that offers help by killing the unborn child. Mm. So there's a great contrast. It's a great day to be pro-life in this country, and we are winning hearts and minds. Mm. Well, thank you so much for your dedication and your hard work for saving the unborn. Marilyn Musgrave of the Susan B. Anthony List. Thank you. The Department of Health and Human Services announced they are funneling more than $16 million to expand access to abortion. A recent statement from HHS Secretary Javier Becerra says, quote, I strongly believe in protecting and promoting access to health care. That includes sexual and reproductive health care, and that includes safe and legal abortion care. 
HHS has also ironically been tweeting about how they're working to end the current baby formula shortage here in the U.S., while at the same time allotting more money to end the lives of little babies in utero. And joining us now to discuss all of this is Roger Severino, Vice President of Domestic Policy at the Heritage Foundation and former director of the Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights under President Trump. Roger, thanks for joining me. What are your thoughts on the fact that HHS Secretary Javier Becerra is all about baby formula, but not about protecting babies in the womb? Yeah, the hypocrisy is, is just rather stark. Uh, you can't be in favor of babies when you're against babies in the womb, mm. right? When we were at HHS under Trump, we made sure that that was the Department of Life because we protect life from conception until natural death. Javier Becerra is the new HHS secretary under Biden. He's an abortion radical. He was put there for that and other extreme positions. He wasn't put there as a public health official. He, this was in the middle of a pandemic, and he was put there to pay back the pro-abortion base that was some of the groups that helped elect President Biden. Mm. And I'm not surprised to see that he's pushing these radical pro-abortion policies now that he's in office instead of focusing on public health, pandemic, all these other issues. Right, yes. And talk to me about Title X. So this is where this $16 million is being funneled. And we've talked about Title X on this show before. Could you remind us who receives these Title X funds and how that can change depending on who's in the White House? Title X is for family planning services mm -hmm. for people who are poor. And this is a program that under Trump, we made sure that none of the money under this program went to fund abortion clinics. Whatever people think about the legality of abortion, people say you don't use taxpayer dollars to fund it. That's where you have the Hyde Amendment, which President Biden used to be in favor of. Now he's against those protections. He wants to funnel taxpayer dollars to abortion clinics. Under Trump, we said you can't do that under Title X. There has to be financial and physical separation. It's not just a way of getting new business, saying, come in, you'll get some family planning advice. And by the way, we're going to offer you some abortion services right down the hall. We said you are not going to fund the overhead of the abortion clinics anymore. We got rid of that. And now the Biden administration is trying to undo it as fast as they possibly can. Again, this is political payback for their allies in, in the big abortion industry. Mm, very unfortunate. And we're going to keep tracking that. But I also wanted to get your thoughts on um, how we can counter the promotion of transgenderism at HHS. I know that at a piece um, in the National Review, you recently detailed a win on this front. That's right. It's, it's on regulations. Where we see where the administration reaches uh, outside of the law is when they can't win in Congress. So they have not been able to pass these terrible laws saying that anti-discrimination has to cover transgender surgeries, including in minors. Congress is against that. They're not going to pass those laws, so they're going to use the regulatory state. They're going to use rules, rulemaking, a pen and a phone, as President Obama said, to impose their will on the American people. They tried to do this through a regulation. In January, we mobilized uh, in my role as a senior fellow at Ethics and Public Policy Center, as my role in the Heritage Foundation. We help organize the conservative movement to submit comments saying this is why it's bad policy, this is why it's unlawful, this is why the medicine doesn't support what you're trying to push on children in particular. It sterilizes, it's dangerous, it reduces and eliminates sexual function, and you don't have the medical science behind it. They backed off. They did not finalize that portion of the rule. So it shows when the people reach out and they speak, they petition our government, it could have an effect when this administration overreaches on these issues. Mm, and that's why we have to speak the truth on things like this. And one final question, as we await the official decision in the Dobbs case, I'd love to just get your thoughts on what this moment means for the movement and what it could mean in the years ahead. We are on the cusp of history, 50 years of toiling 
trying to defend unborn life, the Supreme Court is on the verge of saying, yes, the people will have their say once again. And this is not just in states. The court is going to say, God willing, all legislatures can do it, which means there's a state role and a federal role to protect unborn life. And we ought to do it as aggressively as possible. When the walls of the fortress comes down, come down, you come in, you rush in, and that's the moment to defend unborn life. It's been far too long. The, the draft opinion is phenomenal. It restores the Constitution to its proper place, and it focuses on the humanity of the child. It says that you could protect unborn life at all stages. When there's a heartbeat, when the child could suck its thumb, a child can feel pain. And this is going to really reach out to the American people, and they're going to defend unborn life, and finally the court will allow them to do so. Mm, it's a very exciting time to be in this movement. Roger Severino of the Heritage Foundation, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Coming up, we take a look at the multi-million dollar corporations aligning themselves with the pro-abortion industry. I speak out. Plus, we take you inside a college residence hall in North Carolina dedicated to the success of new mothers and their children. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Nearly 20 large businesses and multi-million dollar corporations have aligned themselves with the radical pro-abortion lobby. That is this week's Speak Out segment. In light of the fact that Roe versus Wade could be overturned any day now, groups such as Amazon, Apple, Lyft, and many others have announced they will now provide funds and resources for their employees if they need to travel out of state to obtain abortions. A wide array of groups providing a number of services to consumers have made such announcements, including banks, dating apps, car manufacturing companies, and telehealth providers, among others. According to a piece in the New York Times, Planned Parenthood and other abortion groups have gone so far as to see if they can use cryptocurrency fundraising tactics to raise money for abortions. It is scandalous that the abortion lobby has such a tight grip on these businesses. This isn't about ensuring that women have choices. It's about promoting the latest progressive talking points. If corporate America cares about employees and their families, they should encourage strong, growing, and healthy families, not incentivize men and women to have casual relationships that end in unplanned pregnancies and abortions. And if they care about the future of the workforce, why are they ending the lives of those who could grow up to be their future employees? These corporations should be ashamed of this woke PR stunt. In the midst of graduation season, we take a look at how a Catholic apostolate in North Carolina helps single mothers and pregnant women pursue their college education. Miravia is one of several pro-life organizations proving that mothers can accomplish their goals with a child in tow. The college-based residence is located on the campus of Belmont Abbey College. We visited the ministry and saw how its hands-on mission helps young women address the challenges of both motherhood and education. Miravia has been helping women in North Carolina since 1994. It was originally known as Room at the Inn, but later in 2013, the organization changed its name to Miravia, which means the miraculous way. I currently have a five-month-old baby girl. Um, her name is Catalina, and I love her so much. Catalina's mother, who prefers to stay anonymous, shares how Miravia has helped her throughout her journey as a mother and a student. 
Being a mom is not easy, <laughs> especially an athlete, a mom, and a student. It was like really hard to balance all through the mouth. But I feel like this program really helped with um, encouraging us to still go to school and be a full-time mom. Debbie Capen is the executive director at Miravia. She says she could have benefited from the program had it been available during her time. I would have been a client of Miravia when I was 19 um, and I was pregnant in college. And sadly, there was nothing for me at the time. I was not living my faith and I succumbed to the fears that many of our clients face and sadly had an abortion. And over the years through um, God's divine mercy and coming back to the faith, I became compelled to help and to prevent the same tragedy for other women and their children. Capen now dedicates her time to helping women who share the same feelings she experienced when she was 19. One of the, the drivers to abortion is that fear that they're going to be isolated. They're not going to have friendships. No one's going to be there for them. And instead, they, they find a new tribe. They find a new family here, um, and we just help them along the way. We talk about the, the mission to, to give pregnant college women a chance to have both their child and their education. It's right. not a, a distinction. They don't have to choose between the two. Abbott Placid Solari is the chancellor of Belmont Abbey College. He says the real mission of the college is to save souls. And what better way to do so than helping young moms raise their children with love and care? After serving its community for over 27 years, Miravia continues to offer its unique blend of integrated programs to meet the needs of mothers and their children. The program is a testament that women are able to accomplish their goals no matter the situation. One time I had a college student in my office and she was going over her um, dissertation in philosophy class and all of a sudden this little toddler runs in and she's like, I went potty. She was so excited to tell me that with her lollipop and it's just this beautiful life that we had. A beautiful life indeed. We will keep everyone at Maravia in our prayers. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing prolifeweekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.